0: Welcome to the School of Unlearning. I'm your host, Elisa Haggerty. I've always believed in the power of questions. They create a gap, a space where we pause and begin to challenge the world around us. Without questions, we're stuck in the trance of life, a life given to us, verse one created with agency. Your journey to rethink and unlearn the norms no longer serving you begins now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the School of Unlearning podcast. We are joined for episode 44 with an amazing friend of mine and an incredible doctor, Dr. Sayana Rafaja. Dr. Sayana Rafaja is a board-certified family physician medicine and a medical director and the co-founder of Prime Health in Denver. She graduated from the University of Michigan with a BSE in biomedical engineering received her medical degree from the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine and did her residency training at Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami. Before starting Prime Health, she was a physician at Parsley Health in New York City, a technology forward functional medicine practice where she was integral to its rapid growth. Dr. Rafajer worked and received expert mentorship at the renowned Mount Sinai Beth Israel Center for Health and Wellbeing and Dr. Frank, Frank Lipman's 1111 Wellness Center and Dr. Robert Roundtree's Boulder Wellcare. Dr Siana was also the principal investigator for the three IRB approved clinical trials studying the effects of herbal supplements for the treatment of tension headaches, upset stomach, and the common cold and a little bit about what you can expect on this podcast episode uh, it's a reunion of two friends who worked together for years in the medical field and also, Um, really dive deep into places and things about Dr. Sayana Rafaja's background that I wasn't even aware of. Some of her really key light bulb, pivotal moments where she realized that medicine was her career and vocational path. Um, We talk a lot about the thyroid. As an advocate of women's health, Dr. Rafaja helps us understand the difference between hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's and how most Western medicine doctors don't necessarily uh, take a holistic look at the health of the thyroid, which we know is integral to metabolic health. Um, and we also talk a lot about what the difference is between regular Western medicine and functional integrative medicine. Uh, we go on to talk a lot about uh, the efficacy rates of antidepressants and what to do about mental health and finding the right care provider for you. And some of the things Dr. faja helps us understand are what are some of the foods people can add into their diet and some of the foods that people can phase out of their diet in order to really improve the microbiome and inflammation rates. And lastly, we talk a lot about some of the you know, the myths and the, really the important um, go-to's for women's health. Everything from how much protein a woman should be eating in a day to what we both feel about soy products in America, conventionally farmed and organic. And we talk a lot about what Dr. Sayana Rufaja is unlearning about herself in the medical field and also about motherhood. It's a really beautiful episode. It's rich with information and uh, I hope you enjoy it and share it with everybody who you think would benefit. Thanks friends. Sayana, Dr. Rafaja, welcome to the School of Unlearning. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, One of my most long-term New York friends who's now relocated and set up camp in Denver. Um, To everyone listening, I mentioned this in the show notes and in our introduction, but Sayana and I were first friends and then colleagues at Parsley Health back in the day. Um, It seems like a lifetime ago. We've both created new lives for ourselves and I'm just here to highlight the incredible work you're doing and um and share how passionate you are about women's health and and functional integrative medicine so um I'm excited to have you friend. Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking to you. So we met years ago and I remember thinking I've never met a doctor or a person so curious about like the human body. You were just like so optimistic too. You know like things would happen with like health conditions, whether I think actually you were my patient for a short time, but (laughs) I'm sorry, I was your patient for a short time. (laughs) Um, And I remember just thinking how fascinated um, I was by your approach, Um, sort of like this endless optimism on ways we can work with the body. So I'm curious where that optimism and that drive for health began for you. If you were always interested at a young age with medicine and women's health, like when, when did you first start to think medicine and healthcare is where I want to be specializing? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question because I feel
1: like the plant, the seed was planted when I was young, when I was like, you know, eight or 10, you know, going to the doctor with an ailment and then they would prescribe me, you know, I'd be in total pain. I used to get this like terrible strep tonsil tonsillitis actually it would turn into an abscess in my throat and it was so painful. And I would take antibiotics and it would, Drain, and I would feel like immense relief, and you know, my sickness would be resolving. And you know, that's some, I think, where I realized, like, oh my gosh, like these people are so helpful. Like, I could be in dire straits if it wasn't for my doctor, you know, and I had so much like admiration, respect. And I think that's where it started. And then it kind of like left me kind of when reality set in and high school, and you're just kind of like trying to get by and get good grades. And I just didn't even consider medicine as being a part of my future, mm-hmm. uh, even going into college, because I think it just seemed like a total pipe dream. Like it just seemed totally out of reach. Mm-hmm. And then once I got to college, I realized, you know, this is my interest. Like I actually like thought engineering was really interesting. And I, I majored in biomedical engineering, but I didn't go into college knowing that, like I actually went in with no major and I just did took Kind of random classes. Like I took a Middle Eastern history class. Mm-hmm. I took um Persian, actually language, you know, at mm-hmm. University of Michigan. It was so cool that I was able to do that and get back to my dad's side roots. Um, but eventually I started talking to people, you know, what are you guys doing? And <laughs> I got into biomedical engineering kind of just by thinking about, like, oh, you know, that's so interesting. So I started taking some prereqs for science and math, and I was. I noticed like how into, into that I was like, I am a nerd at heart and I Mm -hmm. like numbers and I like science. So that's how I ended up at biomedical engineering. And then I realized that engineering was not for me. I didn't like working on machines. You know, that was not a passion to me at all. Physiology was super interesting to me, like learning about the human body. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. I definitely have a passion about learning about that. And I recognized that and half the people in my major were going to medical school. So it was kind of an easy transition in that sense. Mm. Um, I ended up, you know, taking a year off before medical school, because I realized that's the path I wanted to go. And with that year off, you know, I had to take a couple of classes to catch up, but um, I worked at a behavioral health center. So this is the type of day program where people with severe mental illness will spend the day. Um, They don't work, you know, they're on social security, they have subsidized housing. They're so, you know, they're mentally ill to the point where they can't really function in society. So we took care of them, you know, we did, um, we did some classes for them, talked about their medications. I was like a case manager for a handful of them Mm -hmm. and went over their medications, made sure they were taking everything appropriately, going to their doctor visits. And then we would have these support groups and teach them meditation, teach them, yoga and stretching and kind of, you know, take them on walks, take them on outings. We even did like a a little uh, cooking class, like nothing (laughs) complex at all, (laughs) but simple things like that. And, you know, I did that because I was so interested in psychology at the time. I thought that, you know, mental health and the brain and just psychology, everything about it was fascinating. And I was, I was thinking maybe I'll go into psychiatry, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that was my initial, you know, interest when I entered medical school, but with that experience at the day program and realizing what medicine actually was, you know, it's not necessarily talking to people. It's not teaching them, you know, how to you know, make the most out of their mental health, be, you know, be the best they can be. It's really prescribing drugs. And I re- realized that that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that's not how you obtain health. Mm-hmm. So that led me down the road to integrative medicine. And so when I, when I was applying for medical school, I made sure that it was a medical school that had an integrative medicine department
0: mm-hmm. So in, in
1: 2007, that was not very easy to come by.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now it's a lot more accepted. But back then, you know, one of the options was University of Miami in Florida. And I really, really liked it there. So I ended up going there and I had some amazing mentors throughout medical school that I would meet with periodically. I did some research with them about food allergies. I learned you know, from them through lectures and different programs that were that were offered, learned about nutrition, learned about basic supplements, gut health, you know, all these things that you're not taught in medical school,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: medical school, you know, for many reasons, one being that they're majorly funded by pharmaceutical industry. A lot of what you learn is heavily based on medication management, which, you know, obviously is an important part of being a doctor and very, very, you know, helpful to people, but, you know, there's just so much more to health. And so I sought that type of education throughout my medical training and my functional medicine and sorry, and my family medicine residency that mm-hmm. I also did in Miami. And so that's kind of what that's kind of like the thought process of how I got to where I'm at in in learning integrative and functional medicine. I think, you know I just had this conversation with our health coach yesterday and she kind of mentioned, you know, a lot of people get into this, Field because of a personal, a personal experience, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. someone has an autoimmune condition or what what have you, and they realized, wow, like functional medicine cured me and all this. Sure, I, I thought I tried to think back, you know, like is that the case for me? And you know, I think so because I think when I had that initial interest in psychology and in mental health, I think I was really trying to heal myself. Looking mm-hmm. back, I don't think I had that awareness at the time. Yeah. But it, I know that integrative medicine and functional medicine, the practices that I've learned through that have helped me immensely with my own mental health.
0: Right. Um, your timeline is so interesting. And also the experience you had, that gap year you had before medical school, where you did a number of different prereqs, but then also had this experience, you know, with these um humans who are struggling with mental health. And that you had the opportunity to do what we would consider like foundational things with them like yoga and breathing and just talking to them about their experience like being a human with them that Mm -hmm. I'm sure that if they're that if they were struggling that much how much isolation and how much fear and just unimaginable sort of experience that must be for many of them so for you to have that to be with them day to day and for light bulbs to go off and be like well prescriptions aren't solving this. Like it might help some people maintain, it might help some people get above water, but they're not really providing a quality of life. So I think that that's a really pivotal moment for you. And um, I don't know that you ever shared that with me along our conversations over the years, but mm-hmm. I'm happy it's come out because that, that does help sort of all of us see, you know, how passionate you've become in integrative health and, and everything. So, um, so you go to medical school of which i've heard so many stories about medical school how difficult it is but you had great mentors. Can you tell us a couple of the things that some of your mentors nu- nudged you early on to begin unlearning about medicine? Like seeds that they planted that made you start to think ah like i'm going to get the md i'm going to go out and do the path but i can't lose xyz along the way.
1: Yes, yes, that's that's actually such a great question because I feel so fortunate that I had the opportunity to learn this type of approach, the integrative and functional approach during my, my conventional medical training, because the unlearning process was less severe. (laughs) It was less because a lot of people find this type of work after their traditional training is completely done. You know, they're in the field. They realize they're burning out. They realize they're not doing as much as they want to for -hmm. their patients. And then the unlearning is just this massive
0: Yeah. Um, Exploration. So for me, and I would say Siana, I would also say for them who haven't gone through what you you went through at Miami was it's also a different way to think. It's not just like an unlearning of concepts and principles to challenge. You actually have to think differently to do the type of medicine that you do in like a comprehensive way.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's a total paradigm shift. That's true. And yeah, some of the major things that I learned throughout the way, I mean i mean one major tenant that i feel like is even and now it's ingrained in like the general population is like the importance of gut health and diet
0: yeah, right right <laughs> it's like common sense now whereas 10 years ago we were like food matters and they were like no it doesn't and we were like yes it does right. <laughs> i mean some doctors are still saying that which is i know it's crazy. bizarre yeah it's
1: very bizarre um but yeah i mean that was something that i learned early on and i had this mentor who was a retired general surgeon, probably in his upper seventies, that was kind of like really into integrative medicine. He would come like talk to any students that would listen. And I was one of them. And so he would, he would talk to us about how, um, like PPIs, you know, proton pump inhibitors. These are very strong acid blockers. Basically mm-hmm. they, they block the acid production in your stomach, as you know, mm-hmm. um, And so that, you know, you need acid in your stomach. It helps with digestion because Mm -hmm. acid breaks down food particles. You know, this Mm -hmm. For the general listener, you know, it's, it's really massively important for absorbing B12 Mm -hmm. and it's massively important for making sure that bacteria don't grow up toward your small intestine where they're not supposed to be. That acid kills the bacteria. It makes it a pretty unlivable environment for most microbes. And so if you block acid, you're getting a, massive shift in all of these processes. Like you're not absorbing nutrients. You're not digesting your food. You could have SIBO or like this bacterial overgrowth that goes into your small intestine. So all of this stuff can happen and wreak havoc on your gut from taking this medication that is sold over the counter.
0: Yeah. Oh my (laughs) gosh. It's like candy for most people, like to just take it left and right. Yeah. Yeah
1: and the crazy thing is that you know no most doctors don't tell you you know you're only supposed to take take this for a couple of weeks and people will be on it for years yeah and just you know have all kinds of effects for that so that was an amazing eye opening experience when when he taught me things like that and things that you were not taught in medical school at all. And and it's unfortunately, you really have to go out of your way as if you're not already so busy, you know, in your life as a, as a medical student or a doctor and try to unlearn and then learn. And it's, it's not easy, but if your passion is there, it's so incredibly worth it.
0: It is so worth it. It is (laughs) life-changing. And once I think you see it, you kind of can't unsee it. Like, you know, I spent, um, 10 years as a health coach and working with you many of those years too at Parsley health. And, you know, I still like to, I, I don't like the words indulge and treat myself. Cause I think every meal is a treat, right? It's a privilege to eat. It's a big deal, right. <laughs> but I still have these moments where I, I, I try to forget the principles that I've taught all those years. And I still like suffer. I'm like, no, I still need to balance my blood sugar. I still need to not eat certain foods and certain times of the day. Like you just develop yeah. a good like cadence with your body and with food. But, um, So tell us a little bit about, as you you got started in medicine, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, was Frank Lipman's office in New York City. Is that right? For Actually, before him, I did work
1: at a different place for a year and a half called the Center for Health and Healing. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was an amazing, amazing first job for me. Like Coming from Miami, I basically found this center in New York City. I was like, I want to live in New York City. I think it'll be really interesting. So my sister lived there. So I was like, let's try it. So yes. I, I contacted this the medical director there and I made I went to a conference just to meet him, just to shake the hand of the guy that was above him. And and they were impressed and hired me. And it was like amazing. And so as a part of this collective basically of different, it was an integrative center. So all different types of practitioners. There was even a cardiologist and a dermatologist. There was cool. a whole like sports medicine floor with PT and it was all under the umbrella of Beth Israel um, hospital, which doesn't exist anymore. So wow. they were bought by Mount Sinai a year yeah. after they started. And that is how I ended up leaving um, the insurance model altogether. And then I found, yeah, I found Frank Lipman and I found Parsley Health and started off part-time with both of them at the same time.
0: Yes, I do remember, um, as you were in those first two practices, both Frank's practice and parsley health, like what were some of like the big, um, sort of like light bulb moments where you started to realize like more in practice, more full-time, just getting a lot of reps with patients that you started to realize, you know, you've mentioned women's health and gut health and thyroid health a lot over the years. So Mm. what were some of like the, um, light bulb moments where you decided that that was really where your attention was, was going?
1: Yes. So thyroid came up first for sure. Um, There was a course, you know, I had CME credit that I could use and dollars, you know, so I was always looking at conferences and learning and yeah so there was there was kind of like a mysteriousness for me about thyroid and mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really learn the ins and outs of thyroid health to in medical school it's not really something that you learn super in depth so i took this weekend course and it's funny my my medical director he was kind of like you know if you take a weekend course that's like however many hours probably 15 hours of of lectures on this one gland, you know, you will be the, the expert in this practice on the thyroid gland after that. And it's, I, it, yeah. <laughs> and that was my light bulb moment. I was like, really? I was like, that's all it takes. So I took the course. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I really learned so much. It was from, it was actually taught by chiropractic doctors at Apex Energetics. Mm-hmm. That course twice. And it's incredible. And from there on, I l- I literally never stopped. I never stopped learning about the thyroid. I never stopped being interested in it. Um, one out of eight women have a thyroid condition, so it's incredibly common. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why you know we find these specialties too is because there's such a disparity in the way that it's being treated conventionally. There just aren't good options given before you need a medication. Like it's basically yeah. need one medication or you don't right. And there's nothing in between and there's no other options. <laughs> right. So, but the, the, but the beauty is that in functional medicine, there are so many things you can do for your thyroid yeah. diet supplements, yeah. you know, yeah. lifestyle practices, all detox, all kinds of things that can help your thyroid gland perform better. Yeah. So it's yeah. Like, you find these particular topics where conventional medicine is really bad at it. And then on the other hand, there's so many great things you can do from a functional medicine standpoint. And You find, and that kind of becomes your specialty because there's just so many people that need that.
0: Yeah, I I think we should pause and give a shout out to the thyroid gland. And because you are (laughs) expert on it, and we both have had some experience with like helping patients with it, I'd like you to tell us why it's so important. We have a lot of listeners here who maybe don't have a medical background, and they'd like to know why would this little gland be so important for hormone regulation, mental health, all the things.
1: Yes. So yes, it is a small gland. It's located on your neck, the shape of a butterfly, and it produces a few different thyroid hormones but the main ones are T3 and T4. And they basically run your metabolism. Mm. So, you know, mentors would tell me it's kind of like pressing your your foot on the gas every time your thyroid gland is working really well. When mm. it's not, then you're pushing the brakes, you know, mm. you're, everything's slowing down, your metabolism mm. is slowing down. And there's a, you know there's a complex symphony of things happening like communication between your brain and your thyroid gland and other mm-hmm. glands too but the main the main source of control is going between your pituitary gland which re- which releases tsh that's mm-hmm. the hormone we normally check or mm-hmm. most conventional doctors will check for you the tsh is going to travel to your thyroid gland and tell your thyroid gland to produce t4 and t3 and so that communication is going to have problems in various different circumstances and which will eventually develop hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. The main main cause of hypothyroidism, which is the most common problem of the thyroid gland is what's called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And that's the autoimmune condition where your immune system is causing inflammation of the thyroid gland and therefore it cannot produce T4 and T3, those thyroid hormones that you need in order to have metabolism working correctly. So you can you can feel inflamed from the inflammation there. You know, a lot of things can, can make you feel out of whack. Um, you know, that inflammation can cause fatigue, digestive slowing down everything's going mm. to slow down your your hair gets thin your nails don't grow as well you feel depressed and tired and constipated these are the general symptoms that people get when they have hypothyroidism yeah and other things that that are really important to know that can make your thyroid gland slow down are stress and general inflammation yeah stress, meaning like adrenal stress, right? Like over, overdoing it, burning out, no time to rest, just do, do, doing, um, you know, perfectionism type personality, you know, not letting yourself relax or celebrate your wins. Um, You know, that is something that a lot of people suffer from, and it can definitely take a toll on your thyroid gland. And And it's interesting because the reason why that takes a toll on your thyroid gland is because it's actually forcing you to slow down. Mm -hmm. It's literally like your, your body is so burnt out and so tired and so stressed that it is forcing your metabolism to be slower. It's like, let's preserve energy because you won't stop. (laughs) So it's like, that's it's your body is literally telling you something, you know?
0: Yeah. The
1: the conventional treatment would be, Oh, let's just medicate you and just give you more thyroid hormone. No, like let's get to the root of what's actually happening here.
0: Right. Right. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that last segment there about the thyroid. And as you're describing some of the symptoms or reasons why the thyroid might start acting up, it's like, I don't know. I just thought of all my friends, myself and all my friends, like we're, we're in a culture of doing, especially women. We're always proving ourselves, trying to be more, work out more fit a certain way of looking. And so we, God forbid, we have like an extra five pounds on our body. We just work out extra hard and we have this cycle of like slamming our adrenals. And that has a compounding impact on like all the things. And the one thing I'd love for you to maybe help me remember or correct. I remember hearing a couple of things over the years that, like you said, hypothyroidism is often caused by Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition. Um, I heard once, maybe this was years ago that like 98% of thyroid conditions broadly are related to Hashimoto's. Is that right? Where there's for, within women, is that accurate or is that hyperbole I would say, I would say somewhere between 90 to 95. Yeah. 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 The, majority,
1: the far greater majority. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's wild. And when, so people listening, right. People are like, okay, I have some of these symptoms, like sleep is being compromised, metabolism, shutting down, digestion, shutting down. My hair is thinning. I mean, these are things that like, I don't know a woman in our thirties and forties who aren't having some variation of these. So, so they go to the doctor and they come back and their doctor says your TSH is fine. It's totally Mm -hmm. within range. Mm -hmm. What I, I know what I say to my friends, but what would you say to people when, when they have all the symptoms and yet the blood work looks good. What, what do you ask? And what do you say from that? Yes. So yes. Right. And, and, and
1: the blood work is going to vary. So like you said, if your conventional doctor only ordered a TSH, then that's not enough to know what's going on. Right. Right. So the reason being, because your, your TSH isn't made in your brain, that doesn't say anything about your thyroid gland. I mean, it says something, it definitely says something about thyroid gland, but it doesn't say what's happening specifically in your thyroid gland. Like they need to look at other markers like T4, T3, the actual thyroid hormones, right. as well as the Hashimoto's antibody levels. So you could have full-blown Hashimoto's thyroiditis, meaning you have these antibody levels. There's two two blood markers that we can check to diagnose Hashimoto's antithyroglobulin antibody an anti-TPO or thyroproxidase antibody. And if those are elevated, that means that you have inflammation at your thyroid gland and that is going to cause you to feel not well. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make you feel like you have hypothyroidism, even if your TSH is normal. So, I mean, luckily there's a lot more direct to consumer testing opportunity these days. Mm-hmm. Like if you feel like you need to know those numbers and your doctor refuses to check them or what have you, you can actually get these tests done through LabCorp. I think directly through their website, like lab mm-hmm. tests, like lab now or something. I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but, um, I mean not to say that you can necessarily treat yourself but if you don't have an opportunity to work with someone who does functional or integrative medicine or you know you don't have an opportunity to get those tested by your doctor that is one option like you can yeah. get those tested and just see at least if you have hashimotos
0: yeah and
1: with that information if you took that to a conventional doctor and said hey I've got these thyroid antibodies they're gonna say, Well, your TSH is normal, you don't need medicine, so you're fine. <laughs> um, so that's gonna be the result, just so you know. But in the functional and integrated medicine world, we know that autoimmunity happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's not your body doesn't want to be unwell, it's reacting to something. Yeah. So there's always a compensation occurring. So if you have that inflammation, you have to start asking yourself, What Mm -hmm. am I doing in my lifestyle? What is, what could be causing an inflammatory response in me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: more often than not diet is involved. Gluten is involved. I would say 90. That's where I would definitely say like 99% of my Hashimoto's patients have a positive result when they go gluten-free.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Whole foods, gluten-free, not a (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. Free, gluten-free <laughs> crackers and cereal, gluten-free ice cream, gluten-free oh, hot dogs. Yeah. No, like just go Whole Foods. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. So this is like such an interesting conversation. What, what comes up for me, and it was true then, it still is true now, but just a reflection of the difference between conventional medicine and integrative or functional medicine is simply that the integrative functional world asks a lot of questions and they want to get down to what what is the root cause of this condition versus just prescribe and medicate, prescribe and medicate. And again, you know, you say it in your work, medications can be life-saving, life-altering, they help. They're one piece of the pie, but they're not the whole pie. And I think the idea of even asking questions, and I also think what you're getting at too, if you're saying, you know, patients listening, just go ask your general PCP for more labs. And like, you're going to get the data, but you won't necessarily know what to do with the data. So I think self-advocacy is something in medicine that I know you're a big advocate of asking questions, standing up for yourself, going for the right practitioners that help you create the roadmap to your life. So you, when you left Parsley Health, you moved to Colorado. And you um, started your own integrative um, healthcare practice called Prime Health. So take a few minutes and talk to us about Prime Health and the kind of work you and your team do for people.
1: Yes. So we do exactly that. I mean, that is what we specialize in is the investigative work, trying to figure out, get down to the root cause of why someone's not well and correcting that from the inside out. So, you know, we do specialize in thyroid. We specialize in gut health, autoimmune diseases in general. Mm -hmm. Um, We do have practitioners who have a a special interest in mental health as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And women's health in general. So those are kind of our main, main things. And then with that, you know, those are kind of like, those are the categories that conventional medicine still uses in terms of, you Mm -hmm. know. States. If you break it down in a functional medicine way, in a more functional way, you can always find categories, even within those groups that I just mentioned that are common denominators. So we're going to look down to the root cause and we're going to find nutritional deficiencies and we're going to need to correct those from, let's say, omega-3 levels, vitamin D levels, B B vitamins, you know, those things across the board are important to all of those conditions I just mentioned, um, you know, minerals, magnesium, zinc, etc. We're going to look at lifestyle practices and how those lifestyle practices affect your health state. Mm. Those including nutrition, like we talked about autoimmune stuff. I mean, is incredible. All of these things, hormone balance, all of these things are yes. so intricately connected to the way you eat. And like you said, eating a whole foods diet, minimal processed food, minimal sugar—I mean, these are all just so important to the way your body functions that that will affect every any function, any any condition that we are treating, yeah, mental health included. Um, and then what we also look into gut health. We do a lot of stool analysis and see, you know, because the gut is where the immune system lives. And 80% of your immune cells come from there as well. You know, most of your neurotransmitters are built there.
0: Right.
1: So your hormones need to be excreted from your GI tract. Toxins need to be excreted from your GI tract. So if the GI tract's not working, all of these things are not going to function properly. So we look at that. We look at hormones in general. We look at toxins and how those could be contributing to inflammation and dysfunction. Um, and yeah, and that's, that's kind of our general approach is looking at all of these different areas and how they affect the individual's disease state. And then we build protocols that are personalized to that individual based on what's going on in their gut. If they need a, you know, big detox program, mm-hmm. nutritional support. And of course there's no one size fits all diet. Um, there will be variations of whole foods based diets going on, going around, um, And even exercise, you know, there's not one, one size fits all for that either. So it's all, you know, very personalized and, and the way that we work with people, we usually like to work with people through a program, either a six month program or a 12 month program. We Mm -hmm. offer individual visits too, but we like to have that commitment level. Mm -hmm. We find that having the commitment is so important, making sure they're coming back and have that, that next visit scheduled so that they, they know that they have to get their labs done. They have to get certain things in order you know it just makes them so much more successful and that way also we we communicate heavily you know with our patients and if they need us we get back to them within a couple of days so we like to have that kind of intimate relationship and in order to do that we keep our patient loads pretty low and i think that's also a really big perk of working with us at prime health is that we are really personal and we are really Intimately connected to our patients. Our initial visit is two hours long, so we get to know them extremely well. Um, huge, of course. Yeah. It's
0: huge. It's, Most it's- people in America won't spend two hours with the doctor over a couple years of their life, just <laughs> right. one visit. I think, and I, you know, because I'm, I'm I know your work and I know Prime Health and everything. It's also just like the whole story, like you and your as a doctor and your team, like you collect the story of the person from birth to now, and like that is a game changer. You know, I have a lot of friends, family members who go to the doctor and the doctor is so well-intentioned and probably is trying, but in a 20 minute visit, they can't figure out the story, uh, the soup, if you will, of someone's life and their physiology and their psychology. And so the only thing they can do in that, those pivotal moments is refer out or plug a hole and plug one hole means like, I remember Dr. Dale Bredesen. I follow him a lot for just like cognitive health and brain health and stuff. And he always used the analogy of like, And he he uses it for neurological issues like dementia and Alzheimer's, but I would probably ask you if it applies to all conditions that, that there's a, there's a roof with 39 holes in it and it's raining. And so Western medicine will plug one or two holes with the medication. It's a monotherapy, but Mm -hmm. then like, what about the other holes where there's leakage and like, you know, like vitamin D might seem like a small thing, but it actually can support the plan. And I think that's what makes your work so pivotal because it's comprehensive, you know? Yes.
1: Absolutely. That's so true. And, and yeah, I mean, one of the things that we're really passionate about right now, especially because we are starting to roll out a lot of programs to do this is to be able to provide this type of information and this type of program for someone at a at, at people at an affordable rate. Yeah. the Problem with this type of medicine. It's it's slow medicine, you know, it's like mm. the comparison of like fast food and slow food. It's like, this is slow medicine and therefore, put it. therefore it costs a lot of money. Like you spending two hours with a doctor is not cheap, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it you get what you pay for 100%, but not everyone can afford it. Bottom line. Right. So we are really dedicated to figuring out ways to get this type of information and work to people at a more affordable rate. And by the way we can do that is by doing group programs Mm -hmm. and also creating more online content. So
0: yeah, those are two things that we're really focusing on. Can you tell us a little bit about the women's health group that you've been running? I think you have a group uh, coming up soon, but tell us what is entailed with that. Do people have to be full-time members at prime health? Could they be virtual? Like who's it open to?
1: Yes. So at the moment it is only open to people in the state of Colorado. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because we do include blood work and a cortisol mm-hmm. saliva test. Mm-hmm. And in order to have that, you know, done and interpreted by me, licensed in the state of Colorado, um, you do, you know, we you do have to be in Colorado State. Um I do have a license in New York. So I do, you know, there's a possibility of people joining virtually 100% virtually from New York. So I know you're, you're there. So people that hear this may, may be interested in inquiring. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an incredible program because you're getting blood work, which is pretty comprehensive, like a full thyroid panel. Like I talked about, it's actually Mm -hmm. like eight or nine thyroid markers, hormones, nutrients that are really important, um, in talking about hormones, um, inflammatory markers and cardiometabolic markers. So all of that blood work, you're getting a saliva cortisol test. You've got supplements included that help to balance your hormones. Cool. Um, if you're in person in the state of Colorado, then you also get to rent out one of our heart math devices, hmm. there's a cooking class and then there's there's eight total sessions one hour every week over over eight weeks four of them are taught by me and four of them are taught by one of our health coaches and it's a huge amount of information given to you about how to balance your hormones in a natural way there's a lecture on stress what that does to you and you'll you'll see your own cortisol stress curve. So we'll actually test your adrenal function. So you'll have a lot of context in, in the context of yourself, you can kind of realize what you need to do in terms of stress. There's a whole class on nutrition and foods
0: that are best for balancing hormones. Sign me up, sign me up. (laughs) This is huge. I mean, I let's pause and think a little bit about also community here, right? Like for a fraction of the price to meet with with someone, you know, you're offering a group program, but you're also with other women who are trying to make lifestyle dietary changes and with some data. It's not just like, let's try it out. Let's try a new, a new diet. Like you're getting some clinical data and then you're trying in a group. Tell us about like the community impact and what you've been seeing with people. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's only been a few
1: weeks now that we're on this, this iteration. We're starting a totally new group May 2nd. So Mm -hmm. get in touch if you'd like to be part of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a couple of weeks in, you know, women started saying, Hey, do you want to get dinner or, you know, for mm-hmm. a walk? Like it really did start to build community, which when we, when I first int- had everyone go around and introduce on the first session, people, some people were saying, You know, I'm just excited to be surrounded by people right now because they're <laughs> working from home. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, they've been doing that since COVID. And like, yeah. yeah, I mean, people are starving for community right now and to be in community with, you know, we've got like 15 in-person women that is like a really powerful community right there. And everyone's in there for the same purpose of just being better, being healthier, feeling their best. Mm. Um, and so the cost of that, um, is going to be $1,200, 1250, I believe. Um, so for, for that price, you're getting blood work, a cortisol test, which even those two things alone and supplements, even those three things alone can cost that much money. So it's yeah. it's a huge deal. It's an, it's an amazing program. We're so excited about it.
0: That's great. I mean, huge um, advocate of a two and also just like it's two months of support. I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, yeah. I, I love that you're offering, you're democratizing good health, right? You're yes. saying you could work with me individually for sure, or you can also work with groups and other practitioners. I think that that allows like for the ripple effect of community and people to come together for the right reasons. So that's pretty incredible. Exactly.
1: And we are going to develop an online only version so that anyone can do it and it will be
0: more affordable too. Amazing. I think that's, that's going to be really, really highly engaged. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about I know women's health has come up for us in this podcast and in our conversations, but what are some of the things lately, and this is your total invitation to take the mic and just let it rip. What are some of the things in medicine or in functional medicine integrative that you're really passionate about that you feel like fired up? Like you just want people to know, to unlearn, to question, like, what are those things that are just like, give me a mic, watch out everybody. People need to know this. Yeah,
1: I definitely feel that way about a lot of things related to women's health. Mm. Uh, You know, it's been a male dominated field for many, many decades. And so the information on pharmaceuticals, the information being put out about science is very male dominated. Right. When a woman goes to the doctor and they have complaints about their period and the only thing that they offer them is birth control. I mean, that does get me really fired up.
0: Yeah, I'm- it should. Cause it's absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> it Tell
1: absolutely- us more. I mean, actually a documentary just came out this weekend. It was free. And now I think you have to pay for it, but it's called the business of birth control. And I'm so excited uh- to- because I mean, yes, sure. Birth control is great. It's given women autonomy, especially in countries like, you know, like Africa where like women are, subject to all kinds of sexual abuse. And, you know, women wanna have the opportunity to educate themselves before having children and great, you know, birth control does so many amazing things Mm. so that women can have careers and choose when they wanna have children. At the same time, it's not not meant to be used for every ailment, like painful periods or heavy periods Mm. or regular periods
0: or, you know, simply or like your skin is flaring up. Like why? Like that's a thing, right? That people have to get put on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or say like, I'm in a monogamous relationship, but I simply don't want to get pregnant right away. Okay. Let's educate on family planning. Let's educate on the fact that you're only fertile for six days max out of an entire month. Mm -hmm. We need to be placed on a hormonal birth control that is doing all kinds of things to your body, which is not discussed at the time of prescription giving, you know, do we need to be doing that? And that that's the other thing is informed consent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Informed consent involves allowing a person to fully understand risks, mm-hmm. alternatives, and safety um, concerns. And that is not being given in terms of birth control. Prescription mm-hmm. is given. You know, we just think that it's like nothing, but it causes inflammation. There's studies on that that it increases hscrp the inflammatory marker mm-hmm. in women it's studied to show that it can mess with mental health in a, in a lot of women it causes depression mm-hmm. it can even it's even been studied that it can alter your ability to choose the right partner
0: <laughs> seems
1: important which is mind blowing and yeah. the majority of women who are cycling in the united states are on some form of birth control yeah So it is fascinating to me that that has become this phenomenon, you know, since like 1960s, 1970, really like women have been on this stuff kind of willy nilly. And I think now's the time to really understand that there are other options. Like, like I just said, like all the things that we talk about in the women's health group regarding diet stress levels and how to reduce them and how to manage stress And toxins, we talk in very thoroughly about toxin exposure and how to, how to minimize that and how those all relate to your hormones. Mm -hmm. And some people just need to take a couple, a few simple nutrients like magnesium and vitamin D and their period cramps resolve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah, it's, it's really, really, a. uh, tragic, you know, that our doctors are not taught this type of way so that, so that women can get this education because there's just so much you can do to help with female hormone balance. That's not being discussed beyond birth control and granted, of course, birth control, I'm saying, you know, can be great, especially for like severe endometriosis, let's say. Um, but there's just so much that you can do. And thankfully there's a lot more information reaching women nowadays that 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 information is is available
0: good well if you're a woman listening right now and you've been prescribed birth control for years and years there's things you can do about it ways you can question and come off of it i've heard so many stories from friends and from patients who just really struggled being on it and even getting off of it too um i'm sure that brings up its own things as well um it's it's so this idea of informed consent Um, what are some of the other things that happen for women when they go to the office and they say, I have symptoms, I have concerns, and maybe it's not birth control. It's another thing. Like, what's another thing that like women are doing or being prescribed or taking that they don't actually know the full picture on anymore? Hmm. I
1: mean, something that immediately comes up for me is antidepressants. Hmm. It's another one that people really kind of willy nilly will give out. (laughs) And You don't really realize, like, okay, well, will I have to be on this forever? Like, what about coming off of it? What does that Mm -hmm. look
0: like? You know,
1: some people will be on these medications for so many years and prescribed for like children when your brain's not even developed yet. I know. and there's just so much that could be discussed, like what's going on in your life, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. talk about getting a therapist. And I totally understand the the paucity and the the disparity of psychologists right now, the therapist, because our system is just completely overrun by mental, mental conditions since COVID um, yeah. with that isolation. I mean, people are just really suffering. And so I think there's a lot of great companies out there like Better Health and like different Um, different online or virtual, you know, options that people can use, but try talking to someone. Yeah. You know, look at, look at what's going on in your life. Look at the other areas that, that can be improved upon necessary, you know, before starting a, a medication, or at least just know that it might not be that easy to come off. So if you're at a point where you feel like you might be able to wean off of it, then great, that's a great time to talk to your doctor about maybe slowly coming off of it. Right. And, and something that I see a lot that is also you know, a little troubling is that a lot of times people will be told to just stop their medication or maybe like half it you know, to, to stop the medication or they'll stop it on their own and get withdrawal symptoms and think that, oh, okay, I, I need this medication and not realize that it's withdrawal. It's not necessarily that you need the medication in your life in order to survive or, you know, be normal or be at yeah. a state. Sometimes people need to wean off of these medications very slowly. And you need to find someone that can help you do that. And going yeah. down that path is probably too much.
0: Yeah. I think it's a, it brings up a really big conversation with mental health, especially coming to like basically a peak crisis the last couple of years. And I'm sure the stress it's put on the medical system, both, both primary care and also psychiatrists and therapists. I mean, I, I can't imagine, right? Um, but I also just think that like, again, we're not saying no antidepressants or it's not good. That's just, there, there's no binary here. There's no binary. It's just the way they're prescribed, the way they're managed and what else they're prescribed with is really the most important thing for listeners is like, you know, and and maybe correct me if I'm wrong. um, But I think there's like a 40 to 45% efficacy rate. And things like community and movement and whole foods diets have lasting ripple effects to to be able to do that. Now, there are people out there who might need, who might actually work for medication for them to be able to eat better foods and get out the door. That might be a life-saving right. bridge for them to get there, yes. but yes. it is not, it is not a net 90% bullet here. It is a very minimal amount of people who have the impact that they want to have from just one therapy, you know, right.
1: absolutely. And I totally understand that it's not easy to find practitioners, you know, that are going mm-hmm. to be all of this type of information And we actually have a really robust blog um, area on our website. So if you go to our website, we have blogs all about thyroid, diet for thyroid, mental Mm -hmm. health, how you can eat for your mental health, for depression, anxiety. We have blogs on gut health, all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot of free information there for anyone listening who's kind of like, I just, I want this, but I can't necessarily find the resources. Um, That is definitely a place that you can go. We yeah. actually developed the Bredesen protocol on a, on a budget. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to show it to you. Um, it was a a big project and I think it came together super well. It, it even talks about like the labs that you can get if you want to use inside tracker and stuff. So good. Yeah. All the things on there just for people to kind of get started because it's not easy. I mean, this stuff is not
0: cheap. Bredesen yeah. try- practitioners are thousands of dollars. So I think also too, like having done this work, like professionally for like 10 years as a health coach, but then also like having moved out of the field now where like, I don't talk about nutrition anymore that way. I don't, it's not my world. I'm in leadership and executive coaching. Right. But, but I also have a lot of compassion as I step out of it, looking back, like I was spurred to make thousands of changes because a, I was a crazy athlete motivated. And I also like was going through some really hard stuff in my twenties after a car accident. Like I had the motivation to proactively go out there and like, well, actually it was a bit reactive, but I had to go out there and like save my own life. So, Mm -hmm. but so I had that motivation, but I had, I not had that, like had I not learned all those hundreds and hundreds of, I don't like to like to call them tricks, but habits. I I can see exactly why people struggle with basic food choices and getting out of bed and doing the right things. Cause it's no joke. You, you gotta be on top of your game. Like it's possible, but man, like I I have compassion because if you're new to this field and you've just learned that food is connected to mental health, you do have to sift through quite a bit of data. And it, um, so let me ask you this uh, for everyone listening. If someone here has, you know, um, mental health, like maybe anxiety, low grade blueness and sadness, and maybe some depression off and on, what are some of like the, three foods you've seen people remove and three foods that you can bring in that do impact like physiologically and psychologically our capacity to regulate our mood. What, what are those?
1: That's a really good question.
0: Yes. So sugar is going to be number <laughs>
1: one for huge, bold letters. Um, sugar is massively a, pro- a massive problem for people. Um, mental health, is definitely going to be definitely going to be affected by sugar because you get these highs. Everyone knows the sugar high. Yeah. Then insulin is released. You get a massive crash and that crash can be in the form of fatigue. It can be in the form of anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, Mm -hmm. inability to focus like ADHD. Mm -hmm. So many mental health issues can come from sugar. Mm-hmm. So that is absolutely important. And, you know, as we talk about mental health, of course, there is an inflammatory component to depression, as we've kind of discovered now that HSCRP, that inflammatory marker, it is increased in a lot of uh, people with mental health issues. So um, we know that there's an inflammatory component. So foods that are inflammatory are going to affect mental health, but they're also going to affect pretty much anything else that's going on in your body. The body, Yeah. So that can be, that can be applied to like any condition truly. So sugar, the other one is going to be processed, simple carbohydrates, Mm
0: -hmm. which pretty much behaves like sugar in your body. So those would be like chips and candy bars and even like energy granola bars these days that are often like riddled with cane sugar and stuff.
1: Exactly. Yes. So even if it says gluten-free on it, (laughs) if it has... (laughs) Processed processed grains like rice or, you know, whether it be wheat or some other oat, you know, some type of grain, is generally gonna be um, it's definitely gonna spike your sugar, is, mm-hmm. is the problem with those types of things. And that's that's unfortunately what is in a lot of processed foods. Yeah. So that is super inflammatory. And then number three would probably be related to inflammatory oils.
0: Mm.
1: So, and that's the thing, like these things are, are heavily added to processed foods Everything, so like soy oil, vegetable oil. I mean, I've heard statistics that say give that consuming vegetable oils, which are high in omega-6, they're inflammatory consuming vegetable oils like that, like soy oil, corn oil is more inflammatory and worse for your health than smoking a cigarette. I've heard that statistic. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, pretty wild. Like it, you got to look at in, ingredients when you're, yeah. when you're buying any kind of processed food, of course, like try to stay away from processed food altogether. If you're eating like a real piece of
0: celery or and, you know a real, you know, pie. like the original fast food, people are like fast food. I'm like, it was fruit. We just carried an orange yeah. we carried an apple. Like that's <laughs> radical. I know it's radical, but like truly <laughs> like pistachios, almonds, throw them in your bag, like roll with it, nice. you know, do your best. Um, I, I think those are great points. And what are some of the foods that uh, on the flip side? So, so it's sugar, um, uh, actual like sweeteners, right? Like just extra sweeteners in all products. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of the refined carbohydrates, um, any other, the, the vegetable oils, but what are the foods that when we bring in, we start to see improvements in physical and mental health?
1: Yes. So there are studies about Mm omega-3s on so many things. They're anti-inflammatory. They help with anxiety. Mm. They've been shown to help with anxiety Mm -hmm. as much as an antidepressant would. I mean, that just shows you how much inflammation is tied to mental health, as well as, of course, your brain is made out of fat, like majority is fat, your brain. And so you need healthy fats to, Mm -hmm. to serve that part of your body and to compose that part of your body. So healthy forms of omega-3 fatty acids are extremely important. So you could take it in as a fish oil. You could be as simple as that. Or, I mean, ideally you take it as whole foods, like walnuts, chia seeds, Mm -hmm. uh, eating fatty fish. If that's something that you're interested in, you can even get canned wild salmon, canned sardines. You know, those things are super affordable, cheap, but you know, maybe not for everyone's palate, but (laughs) Uh, but um, those things are incredibly important. Healthy fats in general, like avocado, olive oil. Yeah. And then as many vegetables of a, as many colors as you can possibly get in your diet. All it's not yeah. easy. I know it's not easy. Um, you know, living in a city where you're, you know, there's isn't press fresh produce on every stand. And I know that some people probably live in a food desert. So, you know, when you do live in a food desert, if you can try to get some kind of green powder, yeah. also not always cheap, but you know, we got to, we got to try to prioritize these things in our lives. So that can be a good, um, a good substitute to healthy protein. Protein is so incredibly important. Most people don't get enough protein.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know this because you worked
0: with a ton of people that weren't getting enough protein. I know. I think that like, I'd love for us to dispel some myths about protein here because I'm seeing it still like, you know, it's like, you ever have days where you get a little cocky and you forget to do like the basics. I don't know. It still happens to me sometimes where I'm like, oh, I forgot to eat. I did not (laughs) eat enough protein today. And I'm like, wait, no wonder why I can't focus. And I feel like lethargic. And I've been eating like healthy chips with plantain chips. Like, I don't need that. I need like sardines and salmon and, you know, so I think there's a big big thing for women out there I've seen as blockers to protein. They think things yeah. like I what are some measurements in grams like that a woman should be aiming for in a day to keep their like their protein, their blood sugar levels, their brain health functioning well like what are some of the grams women can set out to to reach in a day?
1: Yeah, I mean somewhere between a half to one gram of protein per pound. Of body weight, yeah, yes. yes, that's not easy for for a lot of people to get.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, especially talking, you know, healthy, organic, humanely sourced, yeah. you know, sources of protein. It's not always easy to get that. You yeah. know, some people supplement with with powders and shakes. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, you try to get the, the organic forms, the grass-fed ways, you know,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: that kind that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, that's what you want to shoot for. Yeah. I mean, agree. Really I like one gram per pound is, is, it's hard for people, but try to shoot for it.
0: I just try to get like anywhere from 18 to 25 grams of protein per meal. And for me, that's like yep. two eggs and some pine nuts with greens. Then it's like a protein shake later in the day. And then maybe it's like a full entree with like grass-fed beef or steak with lots of vegetables, you know, like, um, yes. and also tofu, like shout out to tofu if you want to, you know, hang with that too. So, um, I, I just think these things are so important and what's important for listeners to like understand now is like, Dr. Rafaja is prescribing these things. Like these are the things that are on the medical plan. Like these are, they seem really common sense. They seem like, Oh, I do that. But like, this is foundational work to build the bones and the structure of your body so that you can, live the life you want to live so um yes
1: no and and it's and unfortunately it's not common sense for most people
0: fair fair
1: that's the that's the the thing you know yeah because we're bombarded by marketing all the time yeah Um, Telling us, oh, this is natural, this is healthy, but it's
0: like got thirty grams of sugar in it, and it's like, how? Yeah. So can we just yeah. like, can we just put a PSA about like? And I have strong feelings about it. We can disagree. I'll still love you, but I can't handle like beyond burger meat. Like, I, I don't want protein powder in my in my meat like substance. I don't want protein powder in my chickpea pasta. No, I want chickpea positive. That's the choice I want. I want chickpea flour with salt. Like I don't need protein powder. These things give people such bad bloating and IBS and they're just so processed. So can you sound off on that? That's a perfect example of how something can get marketed and
1: confuse people Mm -hmm. because I bet the average person believes that a beyond burger is healthy. It's good for you
0: because it's plant-based. Yeah. Right
1: but it is loaded with number three that I talked about that should be avoided. And that's vegetable oils, Mm -hmm. all kinds of inflammatory, um, kind of like Franken foods, I would call it because it's made in a lab. It's unnatural. It's totally processed Yeah, made with soy and proteins that are full of pesticides because it's not organic. Yeah. Yeah. So soy is going to be the most heavily sprayed crop in our country with glyphosate, which is a pesticide that causes all kinds of problems, damage in your body to the point where there are lawsuits for causing lymphoma that have been won by people because they had a job where they had to spray it as a living and they got wild. Yeah. And this is still being used today. I I honestly cannot even believe it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's wild. It just shows you like kind of the backward nature of our, of the food industry and our system in general, and like how just everything's run by money and lobbying. Um, But yes, I mean, avoiding conventionally farmed soy in the form of any kind of soy product, whether it be a, a um, fake type meat Mm. or a soy oil, you know, infused into some type of processed food or a tofu that's not mm-hmm. organic. Soy is a fantastic
0: food. Let me just say, let me defend soy as defend it. Defend it. <laughs> soy a defendant. It's pretty cool. First... It's a pretty cool invention actually. Like think about it. It's the first three letters of my name. I feel near and dear to soy. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to soy. I still <laughs> like organic tofu once a week because I find that I just need some plant protein beyond like the grass-fed beef and the salmon I'm eating and sausages yeah, and stuff. Like I, I just so need, healthy. yeah.
1: It's so yeah. good for you when it's organic, when it's yeah. not straight with glyphosate.
0: And when the rest of your diet isn't like soy milk and soy ice cream and soy right. this and soy that, awesome. soy candy, like goodness gracious. Like, so tofu was like an amazing creation of like, agriculture. And then we decided to put it in every single thing on the planet. And that's when shit goes bad. So (laughs) that's not what we're advocating for. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: Um, any other foods that fire you up? Any other things that fire you up before we close? I have a few questions for you still, but anything else you feel like people need to sit with here?
1: Hmm. Gosh, there's a lot.
0: (sighs) Well, there can always be part two for the podcast. Don't you worry. (laughs) Um, um, I yep. yeah, okay, so i'm I'm gonna go to a couple of questions here as we close. I think about this this concept of unlearning, which is something you've been doing since you were young with all kinds of mediums in your life, but obviously through medicine and healthcare, and through starting your own business and becoming a mother, and there are so many chapters of your life, right? Your rich, beautiful life, which I've been um privileged and had so much fun just being a friend to you in this world, but Tell me, what are you currently unlearning? Like, what are the things that you're rumbling with, that you're reconsidering, that you're redesigning in your life?
1: Hmm. I guess I would say a couple things. One, in relation to motherhood, I think as a new parent, I think as a parent in general, because I'm a new parent, but I will be a parent now for the rest of my life. And I think there will be a lot of unlearning happening throughout. because we have preconceived notions of what it means to be a parent mm-hmm. going into it. And then we're constantly evolving as our child grows and as we start to learn about ourselves in relation to them. So I, you know, I recently read a book called Conscious Parenting um, mm-hmm. by Shafali, Dr. Shafali. I don't know how to say her last name, Taberry. Um, she's incredible. And I'm gonna get her next book too. And that was really eye-opening. And between that and also just like conversations I've been having, I'm realizing more and more that you know, your child is who they who who they are. And I think we're we come into it with a with an idea that we have to somehow form them and we have to somehow like, you know, create them but it's like you know, you already created them like that physically from your body, right? And then you kind of just have to go from there. Like they will just become who they are, who they're meant to be, their essence, their being, their consciousness will just completely evolve in front of you. As long as you give them love, understanding, you know, give them, nourish their soul, allow them to have their temper tantrums and their, you know, issues that will come up inevitably. And we just have to step back, let our egos go to the side, Mm -hmm. not take anything personally and just allow them to evolve. And I think that it's, you know, it's going to be a really interesting journey going through all of that. Um, But yeah, I, I'm, I'm realizing just how little I need to kind of like influence and how, how amazing it's going to be to just witness him evolve.
0: That's really, really sweet too. He totally chose you guys. And he was like, I'm going to come down and be with them for life. Um, Yeah. That's a beautiful sentiment here. When you think about the word unlearning or the term unlearning, how would you define it? How do you think of it?
1: I think of it as, yeah, like coming in with preconceived notions, especially things that we've learned from society and our Mm -hmm. upbringing. And then coming to realizations through either experience or, you know, a, a, a need to shift because of something happening and mm-hmm. and relearning, refiguring out a new
0: paradigm on how mm-hmm. to look at something. Yes. A new paradigm. Shout out. Tofu is still welcome, but only organic. <laughs> <laughs> that is the paradigm where that's going to be in the show notes. Um, I, I love that sentiment. I love what you're unlearning. I'm so excited to see baby Aria and how he shapes in this world and how he shapes you and you and Luke. Um, and shout out to, to Prime Health. I'll put all information in the show notes. Before mm-hmm. I close, I do a little rapid fire. So this is whatever comes to mind first, you just roll with it. Okay. Okay. Um, a book you're currently reading.
1: It was conscious parent. I just finished it. Okay, cool.
0: Um, <laughs> mountains or the ocean? Mountains. Okay. Matcha or coffee? Matcha. Yeah, fair. Um, mint chocolate chip ice cream or coffee ice cream? Mint chocolate chip. Appreciate you. Um, let's see. Place you want to travel this year?
1: Oof. This year. I need to come up with this. Actually, I'm going to the Dominican Republic this weekend for a week for a wedding. Cool. So the, ba- the beach vacation is checked off. It would be amazing to go somewhere other, you know, other type of exotic place versus another place. That's like close to close to the Southwest where we are, Yeah, but I don't know.
0: Let us know. Um, favorite thing to do outside of motherhood and work, the thing that you do that lets you feel like your cup is, is filling up Hmm. yoga
1: and meditation.
0: Perfect. Um, cats or dogs? Cats. (laughs) You could also say both too. (laughs) Last, last couple of questions here. It's controversial here, but is a hot dog a sandwich?
1: (laughs) I'm going to go with no.
0: Okay. No. I'm getting a lot of no's on the podcast. <laughs> um, is a hamburger a sandwich? Mm, I'll go with yes on that. It is under the sandwich menu. I just, I got to start <laughs> taking polls here. Um, last one. It's kind of ridiculous one, but I'll have to ask it anyway. Is cereal soup? No. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. That's right. Um, I've yet to have someone say yes to that, but uh there is. uh sayana it's been amazing to have you on the show um i love what you're doing i'm supporting you all the way rooting for you always and just excited to see how your practice grows and how you help people and uh to see you and, and, and luke and baby aria soon as is, is a personal goal of mine so thanks for coming <laughs> on the podcast
1: Thank you so much. It's been amazing. I I heard your podcast and I was like, I got to talk about functional medicine. It's such a great topic for your podcast.
0: So thank you for letting me on and and having the conversation. Of course, anytime. And there'll probably be a part two because I have questions about gluten. So (laughs) Um, (laughs) all right, you I'll take, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey friends. Thanks for listening to the school of unlearning podcast. You can follow us on Spotify and iTunes. Be sure to check out the show notes, complete with links and insight you won't want to miss. If you enjoyed this episode, take one minute to rate, review, and share this podcast. Because our learning and unlearning never ends, and we don't have to do it alone.